This is another episode of Clean Tech Talk in which Clean Technica interviews clean tech leaders from around the world. Today we're talking with Tasha Keeney, an ARK Invest analyst focused on autonomous vehicles and AI. So thank you for joining us. We, we've uh, been a fan of what ARK Invest has been saying and, and doing recently. Can you introduce yourself briefly, how you came to the company and um, who ARK Invest is? Thanks for having me. I'm uh, Tasha Keeney. I'm an analyst at ARK Invest. And ARK Invest is an investment management firm focused on disruptive innovation. Um, so I cover autonomous cars and 3D printing. And how long have you been, been there? I've been with ARK since 2014, since right around the beginning of the firm. We're a relatively new firm. Quite early. And uh, so what's your background before that? How did you get into this level of, of analysis for, for this complicated of a topic? <laughs> <laughs> um, before this, I was a management consultant and I was working mainly with um, auto companies and auto suppliers, mm-hmm. uh, mostly on the supply chain side. Uh, so, so much different side of the business, you know, now I focus more on researching the technology, but um, sort of, uh, yeah, in- analytical work within, within that space. Those, I always find the supply chain people to be quite fascinating because they, they know a lot about the products and they often have strong opinions from my experience, like they, where they know en- enough about the product where they have a strong opinion about the, the, end, the end product, you know. Um, uh, did you, do you find that uh, this suppliers in this autonomous world are about as nerdy as it gets with the overall topic or are they just sort of doing or do you find a lot of people just playing a, a kind of part in, in the a cog in the system where they have a certain uh, expertise that just fits in yeah i mean certainly in the autonomous space i think as you said everyone sort of has an opinion because um you know no one's created a fully autonomous car quite yet so they they all think that they have the you know the, the right sauce to make that happen i think yeah and we've talked to we've talked to a few uh, over time who have been on Tesla's team from time to, you know, at some point. Uh, and so you, you, you obviously also get, in the case of Tesla, you get this kind of, uh, the team they have now is a team that's, I guess, you know, mostly believes in what they're doing now. And people who have left from before either didn't work out or had, you know, other ideas of how, how it should go. But um, uh, I, I find it fascinating that they meet once a week. It's a we were there at the fa- at the office when they were having a meeting, and it was uh, Elon was going into the meeting, and I said hello to him and shook hands, and, he, and uh, but he had to get into the meeting, and there was quite a few people there, so it's just uh, it it was kind of a visual representation of you know in the moment of how much they put into this every week to to keep developing this system. Um, have you spoken much with members of their team, or do they keep them all uh, quiet? <laughs> Uh, we, we haven't spoken uh, with members of the autopilot team directly. Um, you know, of course, we, we also met with Elon. Elon. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. Um, who, you know, as you said, he's, he's, uh, he makes sure that he's, he's has a lot of touch points with them, I think. So sort of, he's sort of a big deal there. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> people think, no. Uh, well, you know, we looking into this issue over the years, not being technical people, but looking to translate the technical uh, topics to normal English. Um, We've had a, a few different interesting pieces. I think one one was written by one of our writers. He's a long history in robotics. Um, uh, other topics I won't go into, but he, he's definitely had a good uh, background to to examine this. And he he came out of it looking at um, 
Tesla having something what, what he called a subsumption uh, approach versus uh, more typical world map paradigm. I'm not sure if these are official terms or, or just what he said mm-hmm. to, to this problem of autonomy. And it set up for me a framing for, for years that really helped me to understand, I think, Tesla's uh, situation and advantage better. But the, the argument was basically, you know, that Tesla's are, are being, Tesla autonomy is, is developed to learn. It's like the whole point is for the system to start learning like a human up to the point where it gets as good as a human or better than a human. Um, whereas the, the world map paradigm requires just mapping in extreme detail, everything and being able to follow the rules perfectly and all that. Um, is that, is that a good framing? Is that how you see, see it sort of? Yeah. Um, you know, sort of, sort of, as you're saying, Tesla has a much different approach to, to creating a fully autonomous car. They, they have a much different approach to, to reaching full autonomy. So as you said, they don't use any base maps. Um, so you can imagine, you know, when you go into a new geography, um, you don't necessarily have to go through this painstaking process of, of creating those, those highly detailed maps. And, and, and also they don't use LIDAR, um, which is something, you know, we were talking before about having strong opinions. I, I think they receive a lot of criticism for that, but we're, we're becoming increasingly convinced that you might not need LIDAR to create a fully autonomous car. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of amazing breakthroughs in the machine learning space in general that, that sort of give us confidence that, uh, you know, it's, the, it's hard to predict um, improvements, you know, the, um, the DeepMind uh, StarCraft win uh, recently we think is pretty amazing and, and sort of shows that, that one, full autonomy should be possible um, and that, yeah, the, the pace at which it improves can surprise you. So, you know, Tesla just goes off real world data. They have way more than any other player. I mean, they have billions of miles compared to, to millions and uh, that's, that's a huge advantage. Yeah, it's just, it's shocking when you compare those. And of course, uh, we were chatting before the call a bit, you know, that it's, it's a little, um, it's a little confusing to me, uh, surprising sometimes when I see a report from, for example, Navigant that comes out and says that Tesla's on the bottom of the pack for autonomy and, you know, Waymo's up there at the top, Cruise is up there at the top. And it, it makes me think that they're evaluating it based on a very specific framework that's, you know, focused around this, this mapping system and that they don't really understand what Tesla's doing. Or, you know, my whole, mis- my whole understanding of what Tesla's doing is wrong. And, and, uh, and I, I don't know, I, you know, I, I'm overly bullish on what they're able to achieve with this approach. But, but I obviously think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I think... Um... So because Tesla doesn't test with prototype vehicles and everyone else does, I, I think that's one of the sort of points of confusion that people say, oh, you know, I, for, for a long time, I mean, I, I still feel like there's not a lot of, um, I mean, people, Tesla's autonomous program isn't talked about very often and, and people didn't even realize that they were sort of approaching this, this problem at all. Um, and uh, a lot of, I also see a lot of people rely on the disengagement reports that come out of California. Um, to sort of test. And, and we've done that too, to sort of look at who's further ahead, but that's only one group of players, right? And yeah, it, it's like one factor. It's got very specific pros exactly. and cons. They all evaluate it differently. Yeah, right. One, uh, I've, I'm not sure if I should mention the name, but I've spoke with a, the top autonomy expert at a, at a top energy analyst firm a while back. And I was trying to get more insight from him 
uh, about Tesla's auto, auto, autonomy program because there is a lot that's sort of unknown. One thing I asked him, I was trying to figure out more about was whether he knew how much they were using like ghost driving, like how much they were paying attention to the drivers, whether they had autopilot on or not on to learn. And uh, especially not on because, you know, they've obviously got a lot more miles not on with cars with hardware on it. Uh, so he had no idea. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, well, no. So if this guy doesn't know, it seems like nobody knows outside of Tesla. Uh, but then on your show, on your podcast, I think Elon basically said that, that they are learning to some degree. I forget exactly what he said, but they're learning to some degree from the drivers uh, in a kind of ghost mode. Can you speak a little bit more about wh- what he said and wh- what your takeaway was from that? Yeah. Um, you know, one of my take, we, we were going in one of our questions was, you know, what sort of most, which I, I didn't necessarily phrase this way because he, he sort of answered it um, when we talked about this was what's what's most crucial to get the system to learn? Like, are there specific events that are more helpful than others? And I, I think based on what he said that it seems like the uh, the driver disengagements. So when autopilot's on, but then the driver decides to take, take it off, basically take over the wheel, take control, um, that those seem to be particularly important events. Um, but uh, the, in terms of the data that they're collecting, I mean, we know that um, you know autopilot doesn't necessarily have to be engaged to, to get that information. I mean, they still have camera feed from the the vehicle, so I, I think theoretically you know, they could it could be off, but the system could be running the program and saying what it would do. It seems like that would even be a better way to learn because then you're not requiring on extreme you're not requiring extreme circumstances to change you're sort of just saying, hey, let's watch while he drives and we'll see where his his driving matches with ours or doesn't match, right? Exactly, Her right. Driving, <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, and they they test features in, in shadow mode or sort of, you know, this ghost mode where um, the, the driver might not even know that a feature is being tested before it's rolled out. Um, so I, I think that's... Uh, likely another sort of crucial learning area for them. Um, again, that really no other player has. And when you combine that with the miles, I mean, do you remember that the miles offhand, and Lex Friedman, I think it is from MIT, is doing a good job tracking this, but it's just stacked. The miles are, he said on your show, what was it, that they probably that they probably have 99% or something of, of the autopilot, auto autonomous, you know, miles? Right. Out of everyone testing autonomous, they have you know the, the vast majority of miles. We've um, I think um, Lex Friedman has estimated it on just autopilot miles, which I want to say is something in the low billions, like two billion. Um, and then and then we actually used their data to say, okay, well, what's total miles just driven on um, cars with hardware two or hardware one to sort of say like you know uh, again because all miles are, are somehow valuable to them from what we understand, and that's more like ten billion is is my estimate. So you, you take it, I mean, for your perspective, all of those miles are, are critical miles that, that, you know, really help Tesla to have a, a step up, right? That's, that, that's my assumption. I, I mean, I'm sure some are more valuable than others. Again, the driver yeah. disengagements, I'm sure like hardware too. You're saying you think it's potential with AI improvements that it becomes fully autonomous or? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and in the, the podcast that we did with Elon, he says that by the end of this year, autopilot will be feature complete. Um, but then there'll be a period where the driver is basically still responsible. And, and then the, you know, when you can actually fall asleep behind the wheel and 
give up all responsibility. That'll come a year later. Um, we and think it's down to regulators. Exactly. And that's, that's probably an aggressive timeline. And again, it's very hard to actually put- aggressive on a timeline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, add, add some margin of error to that, but um, can, can they do it? I mean, I, I, I think, again, we don't know, but he sounded they, quite confident, right? He sounded very confident. Right. He sounded very clear that it's going to be up to the regulators within two or three years or so. Uh, and what's, I mean, I haven't talked to a lot of regulators, talked to regulators in F- Florida who are very keen to be leaders in this, um, in this space. They obviously have a, an ideal climate for it in some ways, because you don't have to deal with snow at all. Um, and he was saying that at the federal level, he sees a lot of support. Do you think regulators will, I mean, when it comes down to that final decision, can we, can we let cars drive themselves? Do you think the regulators in the U.S. and, and uh, China and other markets are going to really be ready to say, let's do it and, and suffer any backlash if anything goes wrong? Yeah, well... We've seen really positive signs from the U.S. so far. Um, you know, this sort of state versus federal discussion is interesting because um, right now the work, the way that it works is uh, approvals state by state. And that's actually good because it causes this competition between the states and then you're sort of encouraged to let the testing happen. And the U.S. is the first country to allow testing on public roads. I mean, that's why so many foreign automakers have decided to come here. So I think we've seen good signs so far. And, and now it's sort of just a question of, yeah, handing off that responsibility to the federal level. Um, there was a, a bill that uh, had uh, passed the House of Representatives and it was sitting with the Senate um, last year, but it actually ended up running out of time that would have addressed, uh, you know, some more sort of federal guidelines around autonomous. Um, but I, I still think the U.S. could be one of the first countries to, to have this. And then uh, China is really aggressively pursuing this. And, and that's where you can see sort of, you know, if the government decides anything is the way forward. If, if, if any country can make it happen, it, it's, it's China that, you know, they, yeah. they're very involved. Um, and then I think Europe seems um, pretty behind those yeah. two markets. They're more cautious. Well, I've yeah. also spent a lot of time in, in the UAE. And um, my impression is, you know, they, <laughs> if you've spent any time in the UAE, especially a lot of time, you know that they love superlatives. Everything first, best, biggest, tallest, everything is like got to be a superlative. And they've been quite bullish on this. I, I, I would not be surprised to see Dubai or, or well, Dubai would probably be the one or Abu Dhabi. Uh, be the first to launch a fully autonomous fleet. They, they seem like they want to be. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know you'll see pockets elsewhere. Singapore is another. Um, they're 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 pretty sort of bullish on this technology in general. So I think you'll see yeah sort of pockets of other countries that so, are fairly so, aggressive. So with these like Singapore, UAE, China, those kind of aggressive ones that have the ability to just do whatever the top guy says. Uh, do you think? Um, do you think they would jump in within two to three years? Do you think uh, that's a possibility? I mean, it, it certainly certainly seems like it um, from from them sort of you know encouraging the development. I mean, so if we, if you take China on its own, uh, the government has designated uh, Baidu as the national autonomous driving platform. So so just the fact that they even have sort of some designation for that, I, I think, really says something. Um, and then uh, and then yeah, I mean, testing has been happening for a long time in Singapore. Again, one of the first countries to allow that in public roads. And then um, the UAE, I think, uh, actually. One one really interesting area to us is um, the UAE has been uh, aggressive on flying cars as well. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. 
yeah. So, and I, I think China, China and the UAE have sort of. Yeah. Uh, what's your, because you, I've been pushed a lot for us to cover these VTOLs more, um, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. Uh, and there's a lot of excitement around this. It's an interesting space. Do you, do you look at that much? Are you quite uh, up to date with everything happening? Um, so my, my partner analyst, Sam Chorus, uh, here at ARC, he, he covers that space and he's done some pretty good work dimensioning that opportunity. So, so, um, based on his model, we think, uh, flying taxi, um, when, you know, that the technology is ready in the, in the next five or 10 years could take you, uh, from Manhattan to JFK here in New York for the price of a taxi today. Mm-hmm. Um, or of right. course you can take an autonomous car for much cheaper. Yeah. Well, I was talking with Michael Liebrich, founder of uh, New Energy Finance, which is now Bloomberg New Energy Finance, um, about this a, a year or two ago, and and he was he was walking walking through it with me, and basically, you know, there's going to be these niche applications where there's very little risk, uh, you know, high, plenty of money to to spend on this kind of service, and you can test it and see how it works. So you start in s- these small specific routes, and and then just build from there to to more, you know, mainstream kind of market and seem to be quite confident it would happen. Um, it's, 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 it just seems so sci-fi to me. It's like, uh, it's a little weird, but, uh, well, uh, last thing on the autonomous angle. Um, I also talked with, uh, George Hotz, Geo Hot, uh, he was the first to, to hack the iPhone. And then he, he worked at SpaceX, I believe, and then was potentially going to be a top guy at the auto at the autopilot on the autopilot team for tesla but then that that's that fell out and he ended up starting a kind of aftermarket autonomous driving kit in his present presentation and, and my chat with him he was highlighting that other automakers just absolutely do not have the processing power the computer processing power in their vehicles um for in their consumer vehicles for this kind of um for really you know high level autonomy and that tesla's just so far ahead because of that um, do you think that's a factor, still a factor is, how, you know, I, I guess, well, I'll, let's go with that and I have a follow-up. <laughs> yeah. So the, I mean, for a traditional automaker, just to install a new piece of hardware at all, um, traditionally it's been, okay, is this, um, is this part going to give me a return on investment within a year? Um, so, I mean, before we even get to autonomous, just the over-the-air update capability that Tesla has, no other automaker. And that's has. what he was—he was focusing on that also with this, with regard to the computer processing. Right. Yeah. And and it's and it's because you have to install hardware in the consumer car for that to actually happen, and they just haven't been willing to make that investment, or sort of you know they weren't thinking along this this longer time frame um, of like five, 10 years out to do so. So I think that we, we call it here at ARC, the sort of old DNA issue. Um, you know, when innovation happens that you can sort of be caught flat footed if you're like very stuck in your ways. And I, I think that's a huge problem for the the traditional autos. Um, and, and same thing with autonomy. I mean, I mean, if they, if they were to do this, they would have, um, I mean, they have an even larger fleet than Tesla, right? They could get this data advantage, but Tesla started years ahead of them. Um, so we think it's possible that they could just totally run away with this opportunity. This was the first part of a two-part discussion with Tasha Keeney, an ARK Invest analyst focused on autonomous vehicles and 3D printing.